D. P. P. The Steve Dangle Podcast. With your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Let's go! I don't know if you can see it. If you're listening to this episode, you won't be able to see it. But Jesse's got a haircut that you can set your watch to. <laughs> hey. Haircuts are a big deal now because in Ontario, you couldn't get a haircut for eight months. Yeah. Status so, symbol. <laughs> so now, now haircuts are like a topic of conversation. Dude, yeah. People, people like last spring, people got mad at me when really? I got a haircut because my wife cut it. But they're like, all right, you don't have to rub it in her face and Sportsnet's getting your haircuts. Like, they thought it was going to, like, some haircut speakeasy, like, Prohibition style. No, my wife yeah. got clippers and cut it. You know what was funny in Toronto is that, you know, none of us could get haircuts for eight months. And my hair got huge. And Jesse was like, 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 Jax's, uh, Jax's girlfriend, Michelle, is a brilliant hairstylist and could have cut our hair. But Jesse was the one who said... No, you're in lockdown. You can't do that. Yeah. And, and he was right. And, um, um, and, uh, and it, meanwhile, and this is the weirdest thing. All the TV people at every company in Canada all had perfect hair the entire time. Yeah. Like they got their hair cut. And not I was like, and nobody them. complained about that. Nobody not complained. All of them. Not no, but like I said, you can't do it because you're a public figure. Like you can't well, come on here with a fresh haircut and be like, no, oh, no, it was, uh, it was just my hair. You know, like you have no no reasoning for that. And you're right. Fridge didn't. And I guess CJ didn't. Mark um, Masters. Mark Masters didn't. But like, you know, I'm not and I'm not just talking about hockey. I'm talking about everywhere. Now, Fridge, I'm not sure he would have cut his hair anyway. I think he likes his hair long and with those sideburns. Uh, and I don't blame him. I kind of like it, too. I'm just imagining him with his like smooth velvety voice thinking, I'm glad this upsets you. Like just, <laughs> I can tell you find this off putting and I'm glad this upsets you. And now he needs to do the hair and the beard. Yeah. He, no, both. They're both gone. Yeah, but he needs to bring them back. Oh, I agree. You know? yeah. No, I Together at the same agree. time. I want him coming back looking like Thor. Now <laughs> it's, it's a Friday show, which means it is like bananas. We've got so much to talk to or talk about, I guess. And I think, you know, the, the right place to start uh, has got to be um, what it costs. And this is this is important going into this weekend, because tomorrow at four or five p.m., depending upon who you ask. Um, it's five. It is five. OK, yes. because there's a lot of people tweeting four, and I'm like, it's not four. I, I think it's five. But oh, then, then if I disagree with them, then I'm usually wrong. So I didn't want to do that Four central. Four Central, five Eastern, <laughs> three Pacific. Which is helpful because Seattle, Seattle is Pacific. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2 yeah. p.m. <laughs> or 1 p.m. Anyway. If you're in Saskatchewan, it's 1.30. If you're in Australia, so for any of it's a day before. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, that's got to be messy for Newfoundland. Newfoundland is half an hour ahead of everybody yeah. else. It's weird. Um, it's, listen, uh, I'm... Not often one to agree with Alberta, but supposedly they're trying to get rid of daylight savings time. Oh, we, we've already voted to get rid of it. We're just yeah. waiting on New York. Yeah. Fight the good fight. Yeah. Get rid um, of it. So, the, the, um, so basically, you got to know what it's going to cost for Seattle to skip your player. So let's say it's the Steve Dangle podcast, and uh, um, I don't know, uh, Chris Johnson's got a show, and he's an expansion podcast, and he gets to pluck one of us. Right. And you can only protect two of us. And we go, Chris, what's it going to take to leave our players alone, Chris? And he'll he'll say to you a first and a third. And that is what Seattle is charging for you to for, for them to skip the player that you want them to skip. And that's just one player. 
So if you have a couple of guys, it's like, well, I'm going to lose one of them. So you got to pick which one you want to keep. And it's so for that uh, extra spot. Uh, basically it's like an extra expansion, you know, security spot. It will cost you a first and a third. Vegas charged through the nose, by the way. I, I came across one while doing a trade tree. To take Chris Thorburn from the Jets, the price that Vegas charged was a pick swap in the first round. So they went from the 24th pick to the 13th and also an additional third. With the 24th pick, the Jets selected Logan Stanley, with the who they might lose to Seattle. With the 13th pick, Vegas selected Nick Suzuki. That didn't work out for them. Nope. Nope. Willing to bet they uh, regret that. But through the nose, imagine if they had held on to him. Yeah. How dumb the Jets would look. But now well, it's Vegas who looks you know, dumb. Honestly, what's not done enough, I think, in the NHL are pick swaps. Like, is that the last pick swap that we heard? I, I actually really like the idea. Because it's sort of, I mean, yeah. you still get both teams still get what they want. But I know, like, certain NBA trades, I think it was uh, the Celtics made a trade once. And it's like, we get to pick swap with you for like three of the next four years wasn't that with the nets i guess i don't even remember it's pretty just good stu- nets it was crazy and uh and one of those just i i don't know i think it's really an interesting way to move assets around and you still both get to keep your pick which is kind of cool now um freeze is effective as of tomorrow there's a roster freeze effective until july 22nd that's a long time. Doesn't mean teams can't talk. Doesn't mean we won't hear rumors, but nothing can be official until July 22nd. So there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of waiting going on. And I think we're going to start with the Leafs here with regards to where we're at. Now, Zach Hyman has been given permission to talk to other teams. Adam, can I stop you? Sure. Everybody, I'm finally ready to talk about the Leafs. Okay. All right. So we're going to get to that in a second. I wanted to bring up Zach Hyman <laughs> in order to elicit a reaction as to where Steve stands right now. Mm-hmm. Because obviously in the last episode, there, there was people were like, oh, you're so negative about the team that's lost and failed out five straight years. How come mm-hmm. you're not patient enough, Steve Dangle? Mm-hmm. So let's first up, I want to ask you both, Zach Hyman being able to talk to other teams. I know it probably doesn't surprise you. What I want to know is how it makes you feel. At first, it made me feel bad. And I was also confused as to why the Leafs would do that. Other than, like, they're just, oh, shucks, here you go, Zach. We're doing you a solid. That's, we're losing a player who I love dearly. Well, he's 29 and injury. Listen, shut up. I know. I know. But he's really good, and I like the guy as a player and person, and they're losing him. I'm sad about that. And it's basically confirmed that he's going to leave because he's speaking to other teams. But apparently there's a method to the madness, and uh, the method has something in it for the Leafs because they can now potentially, because Hyman wants term. That's big for him. He wants to go somewhere. He wants eight years. The only way he can get eight years if he is if he signs a contract with the team he is on. Sign the team he is, yeah, sign and trade. The team he is currently on is the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, and if he's not going to stay here, then he can't do that. So the Leafs could trade his rights that are actually valuable. It's very often, like, uh, I'm pretty sure the Leafs traded, like, Jonas Gustafson's rights for, like, a, it was either a seventh or a conditional seventh, right? This is Zach Hyman. He's one of the big fish here uh, for free agency. Like, he's, I don't know, top 10 mm-hmm. for free agents? He's high up. 
He's, he's certainly amongst forwards. He's top 10. He's extremely highly valued. And the Leafs get to uh, role play a Seattle a little bit and uh, charge you for their services. Jesse, how does it make you feel? So Kevin McGran reported that the Oilers, Flames, Canucks, Penguins, Panthers, Bruins, Red Wings have all inquired about Zach Hyman since the rights have been available. What when, a when strange a, group. When a, yeah. But when a reporter is listing that many teams, all that says to me is, oh, Hyman's going to get the number he wants and it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot and the Leafs can't afford a lot. So I'm not going to miss Zach Hyman because not signing Zach Hyman will be the right move because the cap hit is going to be too much to keep up. It's going to be probably in the five, six million dollar range with the least can't afford. It sounds like some teams are even willing to push it to like six point five, six point seven, which is crazy number for Hyman on the lease. So it's like, okay. Zach Hyman would have been great on this team, but if he doesn't fit under the cap at the right number, then the right move is to not have him. Mm -hmm. Losing him with the current circumstances is the right move. And that pains me, but it is. There's also a little bit of resentment that the Leafs have to nickel and dime guys like Zach Hyman because of the situation that they happily put themselves in. Yeah. You can't overpay for Zach, which is unfortunate. Yeah. The, you can't so, pay overpay for less than elite talent, guys. Yeah. Right? I believe for, for anybody. Yeah. I believe the rumor uh, was the Leafs offered him five times eight and he would have done it, but they're unwilling to do it. So they did offer it to him or they didn't? I believe it was offered. Or what? No, sorry. It wasn't offered. It was not offered. Yeah, they're under five. Mm-hmm. But, but he also, they, didn't, they didn't want to go eight. They don't want to go eight with Zach. Was no, and I, I have to tell you which guys. I wouldn't want to do either. He's going to be, if they offered eight, he'd be 37 when that deal ends. And this isn't a backdiving deal. This isn't a cap recapture deal, but it's still not great. And I'm getting, I have to be honest with you. I understand that there's a window and blah, 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 blah. You can come out with those. I am getting major Dustin Brown vibes from both Gabriel Landeskog and Zach Hyman. The game that those guys both play, I am. Like, not that Gabriel Landeskog will be be like a bad player, but Dustin Brown was a captain of a Stanley Cup winning team who signed an extremely long-term deal and went to, you know, a point where his body almost broke down on him. Now he's been able to salvage his career, but don't tell me that the Kings are thrilled about that contract. Dustin Brown is the good like the good outcome, but he was he could, for like he could, three of the years that he that he was under contract. You know he, that. Was, he was barely an NHL player for a while. You're absolutely right, but there's also Ryan Kessler, who's like Ooh. not playing at all. Yes, right? right. You're talking about playoff warrior up until the moment he couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, he could do it until he couldn't, and then he couldn't do it at all. Yeah, you you can never accuse him of giving anything less than a hundred percent. No, and but this is the thing, right? So if you're, um. If you're the Leafs, like that's an irresponsible contract. It's just, if this is the plan and, and the plan is this with this group of people, this core group of people, and this is not an indictment on Zach Hyman. I hope he gets every dollar and every ounce of every day out of that contract that he, that he should. I think that contract would solidify the Leafs as what they are. I think re-signing Zach Hyman at this point for the Leafs does nothing for the Leafs because what the Leafs ultimately need to do and what they refuse to do is force real change. You know, I think last year Dubas did a really good job in the, in the off season, especially TJ Brody. That was a great pickup. Wayne Simmons mm-hmm. looked great. And then he broke his wrist like 
honestly. By blocking guard. a shot. Like- right. Yeah. And Thornton was a good was a good person to have in the dressing room, which they could have used, right? And so I, I don't hate the Joey Thornton signing. I sort of hate the role they made him play for a while there. Um, you know, Wayne just didn't look like Wayne. But if, if Wayne Simmons comes back in about the same form that he came in next or last season with, I think we'll be fine at mm-hmm. seven or 800 grand, whatever they're paying him. The, the, the issue I have here is um, we're talking about a team that needs real change. And the general manager and the management group continue to be stuck on the fact that they're going to do it with this group. Now, I, count me as a severe sec- skeptic um, if they don't move one of these big core people. And I'm not talking about, like, you can't even tell me TJ Brody's part of the core. He's not. I'm no, talking not about the, the core. I'm yes. talking about the core. And yes, Freddie Anderson's moving on. Not a part of the core anymore in the last 18 months. I'm talking about the best players on the team. There has to be a point where you say, okay, uh, we can fiddle around the corners all we want here, but we've committed a lot of money to guys that are just not going to get it done. And that's where I think we're at. So re-signing Zach Hyman is just signing yourself up for more of the same. And I just don't think that's right for the franchise. And, and as the guy who basically kneecapped the conversation last show, let me advance it by just saying, like, it, we, sh- we should be done talking about that for the time being because he's just not going to do it. Like he's, he's already said that he's, that they're not going to do it. And, but we do, you know, the one bit of comfort, um, you know, because what's another year of your life after the past year and a half is, you know, CJ. And I believe some other people have said like, listen, they get a repeat of, you know, playoff failure again next year. They don't make it out of the first round. There is going to be that change. Could be Marner, could be Tavares. Like it's going to be huge mm-hmm. because you have no choice. You know, you can't do it. Some would argue you already know you can't do it. They're willing to give them one more year to prove that they can't do it. The answer appeared like, you know, the DeMar DeRozan comparable keeps coming up. It seemed fairly obvious that season, but they did it again and they gave them, all right, this is it. Even though it's already obvious, this is your last chance and then they didn't do it and then they made a seismic change and it ended up being good mm-hmm. it's not always I just good think this year should be the seismic change year not next kind of like what you said where babcock should have been fired after the the second game seven in boston yeah but we already know it's not gonna happen so um steve you did have a bit of a therapy session on your lfr sure did so tell us about it can i just say how much better i feel okay like, I, I i feel so much better um, just getting it off my chest. Cause I know a lot of folks are mad at me and I'm all over the place. Like I'm on Twitter. I'm on this podcast. I'm on my YouTube channel. I'm so many places. And sometimes the message gets distorted or it gets confusing. And you hear me say one thing one day and something else the next in a slightly different context, but it's enough that it's very confusing. So I thought, all right, here it is. One take, no editing. I'm just going to tell you exactly how I feel. I'm obviously still a Leafs fan. Um, I'm not abandoning LFR. I stand by the fact that it's, I, for next season, I genuinely don't know what to do. So Adam, before you joined us, Jesse was like, yeah, but game one next year. And I'm like, you know what? Game one, I always get excited. Game one, I always get the nerves. And But if the Leafs get out there and they shit kick whoever they played, you know, whoever they play first, let's say it's the Habs. Imagine that. Uh, I still think back to the beginning of the 17-18 season 
I was so high on the team. They just had that 17 playoff run against the Caps, the Young Guns, and then they signed Patrick Marlowe, and they slaughter the Winnipeg Jets 7-2 game one. What did it add up to? Shit. No, you know what it added up to? They made it one game farther in the playoffs than they did the year before. Instead of losing in six, they lost in seven. Hooray! So, like, I don't, I don't think anything about the regular season, at least in the first few months, could possibly get me hyped about the team. But fandom is about caring, and I'm certainly not a guy who does not care, obviously. But I am mad. Liking your team all the time, no matter what, takes no effort. None. Being a Leaf fan is being a fan on legendary difficulty. Okay? And look at me. I'm still here. So are the rest of you. Still here. It's the hardest thing to do, but I'm letting you know why I'm mad. And that's all. That's all. I'm I'm, I'm not leaving. I'm not abandoning the career that I've built, but... God damn, these guys are exhausting. Well, no kidding about that. Now, um, uh, there's also, and like, I, sorry, one, one final thing. There, listener benefit trumps everything, but mm-hmm. there are, I think you've all extrapolated. There are very obviously things I cannot tell you. Yes. yes. There are things I cannot tell you, and perhaps one day I will, mm-hmm. um, that have upset me in, personally. Okay. But I'm getting over them and we're moving forward. Um, okay. So when you hear Gabriel Landeskog at nine or $10 million a season. I'm not going to burst out laughing like I did for Nuge, but like, bro, what, <laughs> it, that dude is the, he's like the third best forward on the Avs and maybe their fourth best player. And I was talking to Drew about it today. He's like, oh, maybe fifth. Because mm-hmm. McKinnon is better, Rantanen is better, Makar is an elite defenseman, so you could argue better. And Drew said Devon Taves might even be in that conversation. Like uh, nine to ten million dollars, the big fish always gets overpaid. I'm I'm gonna say about Landeskog what I've said about every free agent for the past year and a half: the money's not there. Now, it's is the money there. not there that that it makes it fair for the ABS to come in and offer him five a year? which is apparently where they're at. That is too low. That is too low. So if they're, you know, if Meet they're the offering him seven eight, and a half, if they're offering them eight years, which you know, they are, mm-hmm. which they are. Yeah. But I don't think it's five times eight or it, if I'm Landeskog, I don't think eight. I take five times. It eight. is. It is five times. eight. Five I'm to six taking, times. Eight is the report. Who would you rather have Nugent Hopkins or Landeskog? Or is it a wash? Landeskog. I'd rather have Landeskog. I think they're both fantastic players. Um, ooh, the Leafs, they would, they would both make the Leafs better. But I would rather have Landeskog. So if he's upset that he's being offered less than Nugent Hopkins, I totally get it. But I don't know where he thinks he's going to go, who has that kind of space for him, and who is also good. Do I don't understand. His, do, you have, do, you, do you know his list of teams? That no, was also you? out there. The list of teams there. from Andy Strickland is Florida, Tampa, Vegas, Toronto, Tampa! New York, St. Louis. So By the way, none of those on. teams except for New York have the cap space. Sorry, so, I lo- you lost me after Tampa. Say it again, please. So Sorry. this is where Gabriel Landeskog from Andy Strickland uh, expects to receive the $9 million, either from Florida, Tampa, 
Vegas, Toronto, New York Islanders, or St. Louis Blues? Nobody's got that cap. The Blues are like the only team who might, and that's after they trade Tarasenko. And they they want Hyman, too, by the way. Hilarious. Like, the Islanders are over the cap, by the way. They're they're in overage. Uh, There were, what, like 10 teams? Mm-hmm. Who are going to be in overage for next year? And the Islanders it, are, the, are the Leafs, by the way. No, no, hilariously. Hey, well, not. at least they can do that. That's good. Yes, the Habs, I believe, are in overage. Islanders, like it wasn't insignificant. Like it was one point three or something like that, which is like, you know, I know the Leafs aren't in overage, but they are giving well, Phil. That's, that's a right winger on your third line, right? It's, it's dude. It's something. It's something for God's yeah. sake. Um. I think this is a case where it's negotiation tactics, I think, where you ask above what you expect to get. You, If you ask for 9 to 10, you probably land at 7 to 8, mm-hmm. which is where Landis Cog should be. It should, he shouldn't be at 5 to 6. He shouldn't be at 9 to 10. He should probably be at 7 to 8. So you ask above that. You get that number out there. And maybe one of these teams pays you 7.5. Here's the problem, too, though. If Even if you meet at 7, seven and a half, um. Colorado probably I, expects to get there, I would think. But but beyond that, feelings are hurt now. Because Landeskog, through sources, has leaked the fact that his feeling he's upset with their initial offer. Yeah. And so here my question is, you know, as an as another GM, let's say he goes to open market, and I also value him at seven years, seven and a half million, somewhere in there. Um, am I gonna hurt his feelings when I come in at seven? six and a half, something like that. Cause his camp is going to continue to ask for nine to 10. So you do have to come in. Like, how do you, if we're going to take negotiations yeah. personally, which you should never do. If, if, if you, if you are, and I understand it's his home team, I get it, but you should never take that shit personally. This is a negotiation. This is how it works. Um, the, the, I would be worried about that. I'd be worried about my initial offer to him because it would be like, am I going to offend this guy? If I, well, if, a little if, low and he he gets a, a little high? if you're if you're a team trying to sign him and he gets offended by your first offer, then you don't want him anymore. <laughs> you're you're the GM. You're like, I don't want you. Then don't yeah. play here. No, and like <laughs> listen to who we're talking about. It's Gabriel Landeskog. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about him. Like he's this diva. Like oh, he's not. He's no, not. no, I know. But like, I, it's very obvious that um, there's there's a lot of gossip going on, and there's I think leaking going on on both sides. And one is an amazing player who has given his life for the Avalanche. He's been their captain since he was 19. And the other is an amazing team who is poised to be a contender for the Stanley Cup every year for the next few years. They need to both grow up. They need to both probably make a little bit of concessions. Mm-hmm. And they need to they need to stay together. Listen, I would love, there's all these, oh, Landis Gog to the Leafs. Bro, I would love it. That doesn't make any sense. Stay with the Avs. Well, and all Dave. the insiders have to say is, well, the Leafs have interest, which means dick all, because the Leafs Nothing. have interest in every great player. As Steve, any team would. Do you have interest in a brand new house? Uh, you know, I do. Wow. <laughs> I wow. do. A million dollar house? Do you have interest? The have Leafs, interest? <laughs> all, all the Leafs have interest means is Kyle Dubas's phone is charged. <laughs> like, that's literally all sheet. it means. Yeah. Sorry? He can look at a stat sheet. Yeah, like Interest. who wouldn't be interested in Landis Cog? He's a great player. Yeah, it's it's listen. Oh, listen. What what are the words? What are the words? Interest, interest? fart. We don't care about interest. 
Whispers. Oh. Rumblings. Can you power rank these? Can you power rank them? Like Okay, so CJ has them power ranked, and I need to I need to here. I know it's on his Twitter because I looked this up recently. He's tweeted this before. Did he do this? Yeah. Oh yeah, he 100 percent did this. Oh, that's incredible. Oh man, that's a CJ. I mean, someone put it together for him as like a meme, but it is very funny. By the way, we should let you know that we've got CJ booked July 30th to come on the show and wrap everything up. All the bananas, all the banana sandwich that you're going to see in the next two weeks. Uh, CJ will come on and uh, and talk about all of it. So trades, expansion, draft, draft, free agency, all of it. CJ will be on to wrap it up. Okay. So here it is. Okay. Interest. It's not even on there. Okay. Talk. Oh. Mm-hmm. Whispers, mm. rumblings, oh, <laughs> Intel, let's go. That's what it's all about. Intel up there. And then obviously not uh, in the rumor category is confirmed. Mm. That's interest, the final piece. We don't care about interest. It's talk. It's whispers. It's rumblings and Intel. And confirmed. Interest, fart. Fart on interest. I'm interested in farting on that take. (laughs) Uh, Also, um, it looks like Freddie Anderson's going to get four plus million. Apparently from a Western Canadian team. Gee, I wonder who. Um, There are are rumblings. I would rate that as a rumblings that uh, Freddie Anderson, by the way, has not been given permission to talk to other teams. So that's interesting. But... Uh, Hyman has, but Freddie Anderson, they're, they're saying that there are teams out there, there are deals out there, at least in the $4 million range for Freddie Anderson. I just don't know how long we haven't seen much of that. And they're in on Hyman. Uh, again, I'm asking what the Oilers do. So like Ken Holland, big hockey Canada guy is going out and getting to like the biggest hockey Canada guy, Duncan Keith, who uh, just turned 38 today. Happy birthday there, Duncan. And then it's like, all right, Who's the most impressive team that I watched last year? Literally. And the answer was the Leafs because the Oilers only ever played the Leafs in the regular season. So he's going to take their goalie and he's going to take their uh, top left winger. Like, listen, uh, Freddie will probably make them better and so will Hyman. But again, I'm dying to see, I'm dying to see just something interesting with the Edmonton, something creative with the Oilers. Duncan Keith is sure as shit interesting. You know what's going to be I wouldn't creative. call it creative. You know what's going to be creative? What? When they re-sign Mike Smith again and justify it. I <laughs> And I can't wait. Now, it doesn't mean they won't sign Freddie, but a Freddie-Mike Smith uh, tandem means you're going to be playing your third goalie a lot. And I think that's going to oh. be fat. Oh, come on. No, I Mike Smith is Mike Smith is almost 40. It's a, he had a good season last year, but it's a lot to expect of a guy like that. And Freddie didn't play after what January? No, February. He, he had the one that one game against the Sens. Listen, I have no doubt that Frederick Anderson, healthy, is still a a legitimately great NHL goalie. But Demon. we haven't uh, we haven't seen it for two years, man. Mm-hmm. Now uh, the Leafs have apparently have interest in Dar- Darcy Kemper. Have yeah. This is from Frank Saravalli, so good interest. Story. Um, it's good source, but now it's not on the chart. Well, what he said was not on the that, chart. Uh, Darcy Kepper has emerged as a primary target for Toronto Maple Leafs and Colorado Avalanche. Both teams have made contact and 
uh, have had conversation with the pending uh, with their pending free agents Anderson and Grubauer, uh, but trade talks have been ongoing with Arizona and the Abs and Leafs. Sorry, if the Abs and Leafs consider um, the goaltending market at large, the Seattle Kraken are also believed to have interest if he's available. Um, he's 31. He's got one year left at 4.5 million. Although the real cash, this is the interesting part, is 5.5. So it'd be very few teams that would want to take that on. Um, and Someone he has get me told, a fainting coach. He has told Arizona that he's not signing there again. So, and Damn. Arizona's internal cap is rumored to be about 65 million next year, which means he's got to get traded. Oh, and their problem is uh, they got to protect Aiden Hill. Yes. So they got to do something with Kemper because they got to throw the protection on Aiden. Now, the thing is, um, the Leafs don't want to make this deal before uh, the expansion draft. Because well, um, they'll lose Jack Campbell. Because they'll lose Jack sure. Campbell. But the Avs could. And relatively simply, I would think. Uh, do they not have a goalie signed? Well, Grubauer's gone. I mean, I, I guess... Well, they're I mean, working on a deal with him. Well, they're saying... They're saying that Kemper will be another guy if Grubauer is gone. Because like they, Frank Saravalli just oh. said, they have talked to Grubauer, but ne- I haven't necessarily seen that they're close. So I didn't realize this. So um, Grubauer and um, um, Dubnik mm-hmm. are their goalies. Uh, both are UFAs. And then I'm looking at their other goalies. I think Hunter Miska, Jonas Johansson, I know they just signed who I assume is their exposed goalie at the moment. And then they got a 20-year-old guy named Trent Miner and uh, Justus Anunen, who's got some great numbers in Europe, who neither of those guys would even be eligible to be taken by Seattle. So, yeah, right now it looks like Colorado's goalie uh, of consequence is Hunter Miska. Oh, I didn't realize it was quite like that. Now, which could be a good on- situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Like it's not going to stay that way, right? Right. Right. Um, we fart on interest, but Frank Saravalli sprinkled in a word. What's the word? Primary. Ah. Mm, primary mm. targets. Because mm. <laughs> Frank, he's a smart man. That Frank, he tweeted that out, and when it was still in drafts, he went, "You know what? All this says is interest." And people are going to fart on this on mass. And I love- then he throws in primary target. Oh, I'm listening, Frank. <laughs> okay. Give me, give me that hot sauce, Frank. I'm trying to figure out if that Kemper deal has to be done in the next 24 hours before 5 p.m. or 4 p.m. tomorrow. I don't think you know because okay, so if they because they're gonna they're gonna protect Aiden Hill. And Kemper is going to be exposed. Is that who Seattle wants from Arizona? Is there anybody else on the team that you would take? If there's not, then you have to make a deal within the next couple of hours, else you're going to lose this goalie for nothing. And Connor Garland is also supposedly being shopped. Um, I tell you what, uh, let me be selfish as a Leafs fan and throw this out there. If Arizona has an internal cap, mm-hmm. one guy who makes less than his cap hit is Alexander Kerfoot. And you're going to want an abundance of guys like that who actually make less than their cap hit, but they're not exactly, there's not exactly a, a, a million of them uh, right. available. So I wonder. Man, they should have gone out and got Duncan Keith. But the Leafs but, can't make that move and then leave Campbell exposed. Right. You so the Leafs are out. Like, you, could do a, you could do a move where the base is Garland for Kerfoot. 
It's the base. And Kemper? <sighs> no, Kemper wouldn't be involved. You could do a handshake deal where you wait. Mm-hmm. You could do something like that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. He's balling. I'm just balling. Um, you know, it's interesting at the end of Sir Volley's point on this particular on Daily Faceoff, which, by the way, is his new network. Um, the uh, He said other goaltenders potentially on the Maple Leafs list. And literally, he named all of them. So uh, so here we got. And, and, potentially, and I, boo. I don't Primary mind. is a better P word than potentially. For pending UFAs, uh, Linus Olmark, Peter Morazic, Chris Dreider, Yaroslav Halak, and potential trade car, uh, targets, Jonas Carposalo or Marc-Andre Fleury. Now... I have Fleury. Mark Andre Fleury didn't make too much sense to me just because he makes seven and a half million dollars. No, but the performance aspect of it, and the fact that he's a wicked guy, and the fact that the Leafs probably need big personalities like Mark Andre Fleury in the dressing room, like very clearly last year they went out and got personalities for that dressing room, and I think that should tell you something. I think if you're a Leafs fan, you might want to pay attention to the personality angle that they went with last year and go. Maybe this isn't a close dressing room, or maybe this is a dressing room that needs a older, steadying influence. Who knows? Just support. Just support. You got, that's a lot of support. They went. You know what's going to happen here? What? Seattle on what day is the expansion draft? Wednesday. Yeah, we're going to be sitting here on Wednesday or the next show after the expansion draft, and Seattle's going to have like five goalies. And they're gonna flip them because, like, you just yeah. named like guys that could just be off to Seattle, who they use then to flip for other guys, like Drieger, Flurry, uh, Kemper, Capo Kakinen, Kakinen on yeah. on uh, Minnesota. There's four goalies right there who could all be your starter, who could just be on Seattle. You take three of them, you get another backup. Maybe that's like Jake Allen, and you flip those for other assets. So what Vegas did was they got an abundance of defensemen and they flipped a bunch for assets. What Seattle could do is that, but with goalies. I think it's going to happen. It makes That's a great sense. idea. You listed off so many good names. Just hoarding <laughs> goalies. <laughs> I love it. Well, and it's, it's funny because they got to go somewhere and like Seattle might not get a ton for them. It's, it's a little different. There are, yeah, there's just so few goalie jobs, right? You got to make sure there's a market where teams need these guys. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to jump in with something when we're talking about goalies, guys. I'm sorry to do this. And I can't confirm this right now, but I've been looking for the exact quote. There is apparently, uh, Freege did, and I, I know Freege and all the insiders hate when we do this. Um, when they're talking, oh, he, he did a hit in Edmonton for a radio station. And I don't want him to get radioed here, but the the from what I'm reading... He said it's a one to two year deal for Mike Smith that they're looking at with the Oilers. Okay, I mean he he was very good last year. Two years. He to me the problem with Mike Smith re-signing at Edmonton is you're signing him because he was a great starter for you last year, and I just feel like that's not the role he should be in. It's you're putting way too much. On a dude, so he's going to turn 40 this season, which means if you sign him to a two year deal, he will be 41 playing hockey games when he's 41 by the end of it. There are very few goalies who have done that in NHL history. Um, you need to have a starter or bare minimum a tandem goalie to play with them if you're going to sign him, I think even to one. Mm-hmm. And that guy ain't Miko Koskinen, right? So you got to you got to move on from him. 
And if you bring in Mike Smith, you better have another guy waiting in the wings. Yeah. Now, uh, moving on to uh, outside of the Leafs, uh, Captain America, Ryan Suter. Uh, apparently, no shortage of interest expressed in Ryan Suter. This again, according to Frank Saravalli. Um, so I guess he's had a bunch of people. And I think I said this. I don't know if I said this on the show, but I know I said it to Steve. I know I said it to Steve. Here are the teams that really want him. So here, first off, why don't you guys go ahead and guess what teams really want Ryan Suter? Go ahead. Hit me. Are the Islanders more than one team? The Islanders really want him. Islanders really want him. But that's him. not the prediction I had. I'm like, this is where he's going. I know where he's going. I know where he's going. I would say I would say just the Islanders. And Who Merrick, else would be interested? Merrick got me very interested with the Habs so he could play with Shea Weber, which... Uh, he's I not gonna we're, we're going to happen. I guess we're to. Suter's not going to Canada. Yeah. I no, it was to me it was the Islanders and the Islanders and the Islanders. Jesse, if you say Tampa or Vegas, I'm going to kick you in the chest. Jesse, wild stab in the dark. Who do you think's interested in Ryan Suter? So not wild stab in the dark. Something I saw Greg Rosinski tweet was uh Boston Bruins, but I didn't see a oh. fit there. Um oh, oh, so like Captain America. I see where you're going with yeah, this. The Rangers? Yeah, no, Boston, Boston loves signing oh, their Boston. American guys. And, and, sure do. And Ryan Suter is the perfect Boston Bruin. And Boston, for some reason, somehow, some way, always walks away with a pretty good catch every trade deadline and every free agency. I don't know how they do it. They always seem to manage. They when do let people go good. in cold manners, too, right? Like they just, they let Zidane Chara walk last year. Like, they, who did they trade? There was a, the defenseman they traded. Tori Krug. Yeah, and and deal. they and who do they get? They get Taylor Hall. They could get Ryan Suter. And by the way, the other two teams, Steve, were Vegas and Tampa, interested in oh, Ryan. Suter. I, I mean, I, I'm going to kick you in the chest. I just, I have to. I have to drive down there and kick you in the chest. There's where? What are they operating with? <laughs> Holy smokes! Who's yeah. getting surgery this time? I guess like, Vegas. I'm not this guy. <laughs> I'm I'm not oh the cheated guy. But like, when are they ever going to be out of the conversation? Holy shit! Well, Stamkos will probably sit all next year until the playoffs. With what? I'm sure he's got an injury. He's Stamkos. He's got injuries. Oh, my God. Right? Oh my Jesse, God. And we already crazy? know they can win without him. They already Stamkos did it. isn't Why would you sitting. That? He's you not so? sitting. No. I think he's no, sitting. No. There's no reason for that. You could actually, Kalorn could probably sit with the rod he had surgically inserted into his leg. I mean, it's pretty hard to, to make an argument against that. Um, but yeah, Boston, Tampa, Golden Knights. Um, and the Islanders, of course. And this is a tease for Montreal, Stephen. Yes. Now, this is uh, this is Suravalli again. With Canadians potentially gaining $7.86 million more in salary cap flexibility on Shea Weber's injuries, do not rule out the Habs making a play for Jack Eichel. Oh, well, we've been talking about them in a number one center for a long time. But it's amazing, like, after this past playoff run, like where there's where the centers of the problem. Like, do no. we look at the Montreal Canadiens organization? Like, let's assume they re-sign Philip Deneau. They have Which Nick Suzuki. Not. They have Jesperi Kakaniemi. Deneau is going to go to market. Is what yeah. we understand. Interest. Yeah, but going to market doesn't mean he won't be back. You know what I mean? I, just means I think going somebody's going to gonna overpay for Deneau when he's not back. Oh, uh, somebody in the could market. be the Habs. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, it could easily it could easily be the Habs. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, and we've talked about this. The Habs have the assets to make this happen, but sort of like Ryan Suter is Captain America. I think Jack Eichel really, really, really likes playing in the states. 
I think he does. I think he's a really proud Hockey USA guy. I mean, so is Matthews, and he plays in Toronto and seems to enjoy it just fine. 41 goals in 50 games or whatever it was. But I I think Jack Eichel would prefer to play in the States. Is it enough of a hang-up that he wouldn't go to Montreal? Great question. I don't know. Hmm. I'm hmm. interested to see how he – I mean, he's got to get past this neck issue somehow, some way, and the Habs have to be on board with it. And this Shea Weber situation is absolutely fascinating and completely out of left field. I don't know that it is completely out of left field, though. Nick Kiprios did say a year ago, hey, he may never play again. And everybody's like, when the Canadians were like, you're an idiot. But the tweets underneath it are fascinating. We should probably explain what happened before, just in case anybody listening doesn't know. What do you mean, with Shea Weber? Yeah. yeah. Didn't we talk about it? No, that no. happened after Wednesday's show. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so yeah. Shea Weber's got a thumb, a knee, and an ankle injury. The thumb's not going to hold him out, but the knee and the ankle apparently are. And it will hold him out, what, the entire... They're saying at least all of next season. At least all of next season. But and if they make the playoffs. So this is the thing. Players... Uh, there, there are probably God knows how many players who are going to play next season who could go out and get the exact same type of surgery. You know what I mean? Not necessarily the same body parts, but same significance, right? These guys put... They make millions of dollars for a reason. They're literally sacrificing their bodies. If you've ever uh, met like hockey players who are like way beyond retired several years, like you, you see it, you see it when they're older. Um, but after Montreal just lost to the Tampa Bay lightning and because it's the off season and we're all in business mind mode, the first thing I thought was if the Habs make the playoffs next season, this dude's playing. I don't think they're trying to scam the system. But if this guy does what he needs to do, like Kucherov did, rehabs it, like Kucherov did, and ends up healthy at the end of it, like Kucherov did, and they make the playoffs, like Kucherov's team did, I think he's playing. He didn't look done to me in the playoffs you know what I mean? Like he is obviously in pain. It's obviously limiting him in some capacity, but I just, I have such a difficult time believing that the player I just watched go all the way to the Stanley cup final is done. I hope he's not genuinely. I hope well, he's not. We'll see. We shall see. Um, uh, along with that, uh, uh, we should probably talk about two defensemen that were traded, uh, or one defenseman was traded. Avalanche trading um, Ryan Graves to the Devils uh, for Mikhail Maltsev and a second-round pick. Now, Graves um, basically allows them to protect Taze, McCarr, and Sam Gerrard uh, because um, the Avalanche got Eric Johnson to waive his no-move. And, you know, the thing with Graves is that Abs fans really like him and aren't, aren't particularly happy about having to lose him like that. Although I can't say I feel bad for you. You got Devon taste for like nothing last season. Well, and they got a second round pick out of this mm-hmm. and Maltsev who uh, I saw some stats guys were relatively high on. And there was this one goal he scored last year against the Rangers. It's one of the best goals of the season, but it's a guy you've never heard of scoring it. So it doesn't matter. It, it didn't make the headlines that it should have. This dude, okay. it was, he, he like dangled. I, I don't, it was either Georgiev or Shesterkin 
like from his knees. It was just splitting the D and everything. Like it's a, it's a sick, sick goal. And it's Joe Sackick making the deal. I got to think he knows uh, what he's doing and he got good value here. Graves is known for a plus 40 rating in 2019, 2020. The first player to do that since on, Justin. on the apps. Oh, Oh, on, on the, the apps. apps. Who do you think? Just guess. Joe Sackick. No, but close. The other Peter Joe Sackick of the apps. Peter Forsberg? Yep. And Milan oh, okay. Hedu. Milan oh, Hedu nice. as well. Yeah. So pretty cool, right? Uh, Does cool. this mean P.K. Subban is going to the Seattle Kraken? I don't think so. <laughs> Not at $9 million a year. But he one, will be It's only one year. Yeah. But... That's the thing. You, you, you bring in P.K. for one year. You don't think that guy's going to be a great spokesperson for Seattle? Oh. You're, There's you're, no question about that. It's your that. first year ever. You bring in PK just to be on the mic. Like that's that's just your mic guy. Just brings up well. This is an extremely good point. Mm-hmm. So you do got to get butts in seats, or I mean Panini, but you, you got to get people interested. What we haven't heard this year, or at least I haven't heard at all. Vegas had like four or five, six guys actually at the expansion draft putting on Vegas Golden Knights jerseys. Flurry was the heard- big one. Flurry was the big one. Derek there Engeland. was also Derek Engeland, who is a Vegas native, so that was really big. I believe James Neal was there. Uh, there were a handful of guys. Uh, was Riley Smith one of them? I can't remember. You tell New Jersey. You call up New Jersey tomorrow. You tell him we're taking PK no matter what. He's exposed. You bring, You fly him out to Seattle for Wednesday. You let him stand up there and tell everybody who the rest of the team is. I think Jersey would be thrilled. <laughs> to get nine million dollars off their cap. Well, or how about with, this? Let me just be clear about this. It's nothing to do with PK personally. I think the thing is he makes a nine million dollar hit. And you've heard us talking about the salaries we've been talking. Like Landis Gog should get seven and a half. PK's back has has failed him. And it's a question of whether he's healthy. And you if said- I am the Seattle Kraken, I don't take on that nine million dollar salary. I want to make I'm not gonna help I'm not gonna help you. I could find you someone said- else to talk. You said Subban, or sorry, you said salary bonuses have, or signing bonuses, sorry, have already been paid? Yes, July 1st. All right, let me throw this out there. He makes 8 million bucks this year. 6 million has already been paid. Seattle doesn't need to save money. They get the money. But I'm just saying, you, you're you're talking about, oh, the Devils would love to. I'm sure they would love to shed the cap, but there oh, are cash-poor teams. The Devils might be one of them who would actually, yes, actually, please, I would gladly take. But they already, worth te- two million bucks. But Steve, they but already yeah, paid the that's, bonus. That's the opposite of what you're thinking. They already paid. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So, But a team like, if a team like the Coyotes, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, or, that would make sense. It's an easier, you'll have an easier job uh, convincing the uh the kraken of it i wonder if you just call the devils up and you go listen we don't have to do this but we but we're going to give us something give us anything yeah, third round that's not how you negotiate if the devils <laughs> are smart go. they'll say no <laughs> go go. But, listen you want pk gone it's a first and a third thank you very much you want the you want this you want the cap thing and that's what i would do i think and he's there one year I think there's a guy, that's a guy who you bring into a young, fun team. And this will never happen. But a young, honestly, fun team, young, fun team with no money. Honestly, like? I think it's a wonderful idea. Young, fun it's- team, no money, Ottawa Senators. Oh. So he can go play Montreal six times a year 
And whenever he comes to Toronto, he's from Toronto. So already, if he scores, if he does anything good, for 12 games of the year, you're pissing off the opponent. And Ottawa just freaking loves that. They love that. And Pierre Maguire would, I don't know, I don't even know what Pierre would even say when, when PK showed up. He would just freak out. It would be a half an hour long diatribe about what a monster Pierre Maguire, or uh, sorry, PK Subban is. Where he played every I don't, I don't hate that idea. For. Hey, Trip, here's a triple A. He was 12 years old. He's playing triple A. St. Mike's Majors. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't, I don't hate that idea. Out there. Let me throw something out there. Do you know PK Subban has a podcast? Yeah, it's fucking you, great. Too. You were on it, were you not? I was on it. Yeah. Hey, he didn't come on here. So what the hell? Yeah, that's right. What I the was, hell, man? I was on one of the first episodes. You know who else was on one of the first episodes? Episode two, in fact. Pierre? Jerry Bruckheimer. Owner of the Seattle Kraken. Owner of the Seattle Kraken. There's some sleuthing. There's some... Literally just remembered and Googled. (laughs) Okay. Hey, I'm the third thing that comes up. This is bullshit. All right. Breaking news. PK to Seattle. All right. It's not a crazy idea. I don't hate it. It's really not. (laughs) It's really not. Um, So, uh, the Florida Panthers have bought out Keith Yandel. I mean, they... You know, they tried to sit him. The team almost had a, like a fucking meltdown because he was going to have his streak broken. And so they're finally like, fine, we can get rid of you now. And so they're buying him out so they can keep Gustav Worsling. But one thing they did, they did do, and I'm really happy about this, is Anthony Duclair finally got the long-term deal he's been looking for. And he did it himself. And Seattle is taking him. No. Three years, three million per season. Well done, Anthony Duclair. Yeah, he got the payday he maybe should have got last year, but didn't. I'm curious though. What we didn't ever find out how much Ottawa offered. We know they offered money, and we know they offered term, but it clearly couldn't have been that much. Plus, he gets to be in a winterless place, which is incredible good well, for him. He would have had to been uh, like tendered a contract because he was an RFA. So like, there's a default tendering slot and they just chose not to qualifying offer or whatever but they did they did say at the time well we offered him an extension just didn't yeah they offered him something else that would have been much below that whatever the baseline of qualifying would have been so i i don't know what that is though probably like league men interesting well good for him happy for anthony duclair well earned and pretty cool and i also occasionally like listen i'm not going to go out and tell you that it's a good idea to negotiate without an agent but if you can do it and you feel good about it, good for you. And I still like feel you like said, he gets to stay in Florida. Yeah, and that's the that's the bonus there too. Um, we did, uh, and Jesse made note of this. We did miss um, uh, talking about Pecorino. Uh, uh, oh, retiring <laughs> last. Dude, episode. there's so much. Like, yeah, uh, you got to forgive us. <laughs> sorry. Also, <laughs> like, genuinely sorry. But what are we gonna say, man? He was great. And uh, the the one story I love about Pecorino is apparently UC Soros lived with him for a year. And no you guys know this story? No. no. Okay. So UC Soros, the story goes that UC Soros lived with him for a year. And which I think is so cool when players do that. Like Sydney lived with Mario and there's, there's other, uh, other stories like that around the league. So UC Soros lived with him like in his basement for a year. And only at the end of the season did UC Soros, who grew up watching him, have the balls to go up to him and ask him to sign a stick. Oh, <laughs> isn't that cool? Yeah, that's cute. Great story. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And like, it just kind of speaks to, and, and Pecorino's um, the best goalie in, in Predators history by a country mile, all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Um, and sometimes a bit of an enigma, right? Like, great year, 
oh my God, what happened to Pecorino? Oh, he's back. Oh, he's gone again. You know, but when he was dominant, hard to find a goalie that was better than Pecorino in his prime. And probably with those Nashville teams, you know, the, the year that they had both, they, they signed both Kostitsin brothers and, the Raj, and, and Alex Radulov. And, yep. you know, that year, they probably should have gone to the finals. That team, uh, I feel that like that was 2012. That 2012 Predators team was pretty spectacular and gets basically forgotten. Um, didn't have the marquee superstars that you would expect, except for maybe Pecorino himself. Um, and, you know, of course, they had, I think they had Suter and Weber and some b- pretty big names, but didn't have like Sidney Crosby or Alexander Ovechkin, who, who were the stories of those playoff years at that point. I have to say that Nashville team was pretty unbelievable. And it's weird looking back that they didn't get further than the second round. It, it's funny. So I just went back. I was going to be like, he had to be one of the best players in his draft. Let me let me look back. Who Who's played the most games at a – Oh, uh, have you guys heard of Alex Ovechkin? <laughs> he was he was in the same draft, but Rene uh, by far the most games by any goalie, six hundred and eighty three. Devin Dubnik in second with five hundred and forty two. I don't think anyone's going to catch him. And Rene eighth round, two hundred and fifty eighth overall in a round that doesn't even exist anymore. Not bad, Pekka. Not bad at all. That'll do. Um, also, uh, also to mention here that, um, hang on, I'm just pulling it up here. Um, there was one last note that I wanted to, uh, throw out there. Um, Patrick Line. Jesse, you made a note about Patrick Line. I hadn't seen anything, something about him staying in Columbus. I'll read it right to you. So, uh, Patrick Line told a, a, I guess it's a website in Finland that I hope I can stay in Columbus. This is the starting point, but you can never be sure what happens. I got traded once. I really haven't thought about the contract negotiations. At some point, they will let me know what the situation is, and they will ask what I think about this proposal. Do I want to take the contract? And then we continue the negotiations. So that's what he said about staying in Columbus. And I also saw somewhere that it was confirmed that remember he was disciplined from mouthing off to a coach in Columbus. It, yeah. It was confirmed that it was an assistant coach and that assistant coach is now the head coach, Brad Larson. I mean, fights happen. You can make up, but a bit concerning. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, I think Columbus fans are pretty upset that they're still not over the fact that he is the coach. They're not happy about it. Yeah. That was, uh, I was surprised because I had never really heard of him. And then when it was announced, I was I was pretty surprised by how upset they got. Jackets fans sure know him and are not fans. So, I mean, maybe he surprises, right? Yeah. Like I just, anything I th- can happen. I think it's interesting when players go overseas because that's when we usually get the, whoa, he's trashing the NHL and everything in it. And Patrick Lina goes overseas to Finland, does this uh, interview in Finnish, and he praises Columbus and he says he wants to come back. So what's what's the motive? Have, there? Didn't he have a uh, a Finnish interview earlier in the season that said this year was a, a mess or something like that? I and don't remember. There was some. There was another interview. I I think this interview is a balancing interview. I don't think that oh, that yeah. interview. I there was another interview at the end of the season about the Blue Jackets that was he said he was awful. But I also think he said that it it was awful. There, you know what though? Here's proof that 
you know, you can get over it mm-hmm. is, uh, I remember like way back in like the old Sportsnet backup studio, we were talking about this player who went overseas and he trashed a teammate and we're like, surely one of them's gone. And it was Kucherov trashing Kalorn. Yep. Oh. They got over it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they got past it. Now yeah, they, they're okay. Uh, I, I have to ask you guys the, um, what's the money value on remember line eight is not signed. So what's the money value for a guy like that? Because if, if Columbus is going to ask him to play the same role as he was playing last year, like if you, if they're trying to turn him into a power forward, it's not going to happen. But also if you're a one dimensional player, you're not going to get the big dollars. I don't care how much you score. If you're a defensive liability, we can't play in certain situations five on five. It's difficult. Yeah, it sure is. It's going to be very fascinating to see. Um, Columbus Casey? is also an interesting point in their in this upcoming draft because they have three first round picks. They got Tampa's, Toronto's, and their own. And I think Patrick Line, I, I feel like he confuses everybody because of how big he is. Like he's an underrated big guy. He's like I think he's six four on skates, which is just not typically um, the stature of a guy who only scores. You know, you have this giant body on the ice and you you look at him and you want him to play these defensive roles. You want him to use his skill in a lot more ways, but that's just not the way his abilities work. You know, it, it's, it might be what it should be nature to his, his body type and his, his, I assume, his playing ability, what he can do, but that's not what he is at the NHL level. He's a scorer. So I think he's so confusing to Columbus and Winnipeg and the two teams he's played for that are just trying to change his style. It's going to be fascinating. It's amazing what happens when you embrace this type of player. You might win back-to-back cups. This dude's the Finnish Phil Kessel. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Let him, let him be the scorer. He clearly yeah. doesn't want to play the other way. Yeah, yeah if, just... <laughs> if Genny Malkin looked like he liked Phil Kessel for exactly two days, and it was the two days they won the Stanley Cup, and, <laughs> but look how they played. Look how they played together, and look how uh, everything worked out. Ben Bishop has also agreed to waive his no-movement clause uh, in order for the Stars to protect other players. Uh, and I think, who was the who's the other goalie in Dallas? I, I didn't even look that up. I meant to. Um, yeah, maybe it is. Uh, and, you know, it's. I kind of have to say, if you're a teammate, even if you make a pile of money and it's not unlikely you'll be, um, unlikely you'll be selected, if you're a guy that does this, I guess it's Hudobin. Um, at yeah, 3.333 million. I think that's a pretty, like, that's a guy I'm taking out to dinner. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? That's a cool thing to do. Cause you're talking about uprooting, potentially uprooting your entire family. And Ben Bishop had the right to, to do what he wanted. Also like, uh, Hudobin wasn't very good Mm -hmm. last year, at least his numbers weren't, but I would, I would not put too much stock into that. Like there are a few teams who I think would be justified in looking at last season and going, yeah, we're, we're just going to kind of forget that happened. And Dallas is one of them. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think they're one of them. Right. So, um, and then, yeah. And then from there, um, I do want to quickly mention too, that uh, 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 he, Ben Bishop was on the IR at the end of last season. And so is Radulov. I wonder if they're both going to be ready to be back even at the end at the beginning of next season too. Right. Like if you're Seattle, you know, maybe you do take a chance on Ben Bishop because what the heck, he's been pretty good everywhere he's gone. Uh, and he's a good veteran presence, a couple years left. It's a little expensive, but the injury would, would kind of spook me, I think. Yeah, but if you're planning on flipping goalies, the, you know, worrying about 
whether he's going to be good to go. That could be someone else's problem. Right. But you might not be able to trade him if somebody else has the same worry you do. Nah, you'll be, you'll find someone. Call Jim Benning. All right. Let's get to the press conference. Call Ken Holland. (laughs) Bro, it's, that was the first thing I was going to say. And it's not even, I think it might be a good idea. Uh, Can I review Fast Nine? Oh, yes. Yes, Yesterday, I went to the drive-in. I saw Fast Nine within the first. Okay, this is uh, full spoilers. If you if you don't want Fast Nine spoiled, uh, turn it off this podcast. Worried about spoilers for Fast Nine? (laughs) It's got a deep plot. You'll never see the ending coming. Tell me about Land Before Time, but with cars. Within the first 10 minutes, uh, there's a scene where a car jumps off of a mountain and a plane comes and catches the car and flies it away so that the person in the car doesn't die. The premise of the movie is is that John Cena is Vin Diesel's brother, which we should dissect whether that is believable or not. Just on a, hey, do they even look the same? They are large. So they're both bulky, tough guys, but like their faces don't really look the same. Anyway, so they're brothers. Uh, John Cena had had helped his his dad fix a car when they were kids. Uh, his dad was a race car driver, and he he wanted to, his dad wanted to throw the race. So then John Cena tinkered with the engine, and then the dad ended up dying in that race. So Vin Diesel blames his brother for his dad's death all this time, and then now they meet again out in the spy world where they're both trying to catch this device. And they're both trying to get this device. And John Cena gets most uh, the first piece of this device. So then Vin Diesel's chasing down John Cena, all this movie. And then it, it comes to this conclusion where uh, Vin Diesel's team has these giant magnets. And these magnets, they've attached them to the cars so that they can, they can stop John Cena's side from transporting the device to the station. To I don't know if it was to blow up Earth or what it was. But they got the device out of these giant tanks because they had these magnets attached to their like, Subarus that can just attract the tanks to the cars. And then that's their device. And then um, while this is all happening the other part of the of the device is connecting to a satellite in space so they send Tyrese and Ludacris to space to go to go destroy the satellite so they take Hold on Tyrese and Ludacris have to go to space? Yeah yeah so they What, what are you going to do go to space on your own? Did Tyrese yell all the way up? He did. He, he complained and yelled the entire way because that's what Tyrese does. In the, Tyrese has like five scenes in the movie. And in every scene, he's just saying some wacky shit. You know, like that's his role in the movie now. So, so He's the one line guy for sure. He, literally, that's his role in the movie. He comes in, he says a line, he gets a little bit of a laugh, and then he's out. So I'm too beautiful for this. He, he references that he was a model or something. Yeah. So there, there's two pieces of the device. John, uh, Vin Diesel's on Earth trying to get half the device from John. Cena's camp. Uh, Vin Diesel and, uh, sorry, Vin Diesel, Tyrese and Ludacris are going to space to try and knock out the satellite so it can't connect to the device. They hook up rocket ships to a Pontiac, I think it's like Sunfire, and they, they fly the Sunfire to the edge of orbit and then they launch the rocket ships off of the Sunfire so the car drives into space. So then Tyrese and Ludacris are now in space in this car and they crash into the satellite to destroy it. So that 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 part of the storyline is taken care of. They destroyed the satellite. Are they dead? 
But now it's like, whoa, they're trapped in space. So they were floating up there for like, I don't know, a couple of days or something. And then they run into like the International Space Station and the International Space Station guys are like, what is that? Is that a, is that a Pontiac? And then Tyrese and Ludacris are like, hey, help us. So then they hop over the International Space Station and eventually get back to Earth by the end of the movie. So then back to the back to the other storyline where Vin Diesel is <laughs> trying to fight his brother, Jacob, and get back half of the device. Jacob Diesel. Jacob, I forget his last name. So, so Jacob and and Dom are fighting. Toretto, Toretto, yes, Jacob Toretto, Dom Toretto. So they're they're fighting, and then eventually Jacob he gets turned on by the guys he's working for. So like the super evil guys, his name was like Otto, I think. He was he was the one who hired Jacob to go get half of the device. He gets turned on. Otto tries to kill Jacob. So then Jacob he after he's falling off of a car. He's falling off of the tanker. Vin Diesel swerves and pushes a car to save uh, John Cena from falling off of the car. He catches him with a car. And then so John Cena lives and he hops in one of Vin Diesel's car and they look at each other. They don't even say anything. And they know they're on the same team now. Why? So now, now Jacob. Because and they're family. <laughs> so now the brothers are back and family is the only thing that matters. And family is together and they destroy uh, the tankers. He, uh, Vin Diesel ends up getting under one of the tankers and he flips the tank off of a mountain and he rolls out in time. So he gets under the front of the wheels and he rolls out of the car and that flips the tanker off of a mountain. And then, and then there was a super, uh, super, super extra villain. She's Otto's boss. She was flying a drone plane that was going to shoot down Vin Diesel. But then he flipped the tanker into the drone plane at the same time off of the mountain. So he flips the car, flips the tanker, hits the plane, everything destroys, he saves the world. And then that's how the movie ends. And then they go back and they have a barbecue uh, where they all <laughs> and Tyrese and Ludacris are back at the barbecue. Oh my God. And Vin Diesel's with his son. And then he sends, so Jacob, he doesn't come. He, he sends him off with a car and he says, a lot of people are going to be chasing after you now, Jacob. So then Jacob drives away. And that is what happened in Fast Nine, and it was incredible. It is a roller coaster of a movie. They do flashbacks, but they don't tell you that the flashback is just happening. You just got to know, like, oh, this is little John Cena now, and this is what I'm watching. And it's it's a roller coaster of a ride. And I highly recommend you guys see it. Very important question. <laughs> well, after listening to that, I know precisely zero percent more about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very important question. So John Cena is a wrestler in a movie. Yeah. Does he put one of his finishing moves on a character in the movie? What's he his finishing does, move? He does do some fighting, but he doesn't do the finishing, his finishing move. He doesn't do the STFU or no, the... No, no, he doesn't do any of that. Boo. Yeah, no. Oh, you gotta. If you're Hulk Hogan in a movie, you gotta do the leg drop. Or like Stone Cold's gotta do the stunner. Do you guys oh. have any questions about Fast Night? Now that you know <laughs> the you entire plot. Questions about Fast Night. Yes, Nine? can you explain that again? <laughs> it's a roller coaster no i just want you to imagine if you think your idea is stupid remember remember that this plot exists if you think your tv show idea is stupid remember there's an extreme mini putt show on tv right now hey steph curry does a great job with that if you think your tv idea is stupid remember there's an extreme lego building competition show on tv right now you can do it you can do it that's how I went on the, the show on a positive note. You can. Pierre thinks you can. 
Because <laughs> Kulikin went to space and he hit the International Space Station and he saved the world with John Cena. And that's Ellis's wonderful play. <laughs> Thank you for that. Or was Steve. it Tavares's? So uh, we've got we've got a great uh, we've got a great weekend ahead. Can't wait to see these lists. Can't wait to see the draft uh, or the draft lists. I guess it's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun. So what's what, is anything happening this weekend other than like the lists have to be submitted? Uh, probably um, uh, within the next like twenty four hours or so, we're going to get burned by a bunch of trades. Are going to happen? Gonna be, but it has to be right. Yeah, this is the last you got. They got 24 hours to make every trade before the roster freeze. And then hopefully by Sunday, we all know all the lists because they all leaked. And that'd be awesome. And then we got to prepare for Wednesday. Ready. Okay. So Monday we'll be here. And by the way, we do need to do an expansion draft show. Do we not? Like where we pick our team? Probably Monday when we have the. Oh, yes. I was going to say, well, uh, Adam, there is a there is going to be a stream. A live stream. I hope watch I hope it's live. watch rounds two to seven with Steve Dangle. <laughs> I hurt my feelings. What? Yeah. On the Listen, NHL. Eight hour drives. stream. <laughs> <laughs> haven't heard of that guy either. Next haven't heard of that one. Haven't heard of him. Haven't heard of this guy. Guarantee you there would be a bunch of people on the stream like I know that guy, and it's the fifth round, twenty-eighth pick. I know uh, who he is. Yeah. Let's put some respect on him. He's an MHL all-star dick. <laughs> all right so, um so yeah monday we'll do our big expansion draft show everybody do their expansion draft before monday that includes you and steve and jesse and i will do it too and we'll reveal our teams on monday also uh i forgot to do this at the top but thank you everybody after we mentioned the we had jerseys on sale at the start of last episode it went up at like 8 p.m and by like 9 p.m uh, or like a 10 or something they were all sold out so hey. we get to we get to start printing those the first edition Dangle Navy jerseys. Uh, at some point, we will do a second edition, but that's not anytime soon. So we'll see when that comes up. But yeah, now it's starting the uh, getting the hand getting the jerseys into everybody's hands. It's very exciting. And thank you for uh, first sellout of the first edition jersey. Thank you for being great. We love you, and we'll see you soon. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.